You're listening to The Nancy Gaines Show. The goal of this podcast is to help business owners be successful and gain the advantage. Nancy has helped some of today's top Fortune 500 companies across a wide spectrum of industries work through their toughest challenges. She can help you too. So if you can't find the solutions you need, there are no more books to read or workshops to attend. The Nancy Gaines Show can be the difference between your success and failure. And now your host, Nancy Gaines. Hi, this is Nancy Gaines, and welcome to The Nancy Gaines Show, where we provide actionable ideas for entrepreneurs to grow their business and be even more productive. The focus of today's podcast is all about staying productive while you're navigating a divorce. And I'm super excited to have a very special guest with me, Karen Bigman. Let me tell you all about her. She is a founder of Divorce the Arch, a Martha Beck-trained life coach, and a certified divorce coach. She holds a BSBA from Boston University and an MBA from Columbia Business School. She has also completed the Harvard Business School's Executive Education Program, a new path setting new directions. As a divorce coach, she is dedicated to providing superior divorce advice to her clients, and she is successfully navigating her way through single life after a long marriage, building her business, and the mother of two young adults. Welcome, Karen. Thanks for sharing part of your day. What else do you want to add to that introduction? Oh, that, that seems to cover all my, all my credentials. Hopefully you'll get a little uh, better feel of me personally as we go through this. But thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. We'll have a lot of fun. So all those letters are great, but we'll also pull out your fun side. And speaking of fun, I love your company name. How did you even come up with that? So the concept was born when I had a, run into a friend who was having a lot of trouble as she was going through her divorce, and she needed support in many areas, administratively, emotionally, you know, moving on with her life. And I thought, well, this is sort of like a concierge service. And my original thought was the divorce concierge, but I think the URL was taken. So we combined the words, and there was born the divorcierge. I love that. That is really, really cool. So I know people sometimes think, oh, divorce is going to be expensive, and they try to do it themselves. Why do you feel it's important to get help when you're going through a divorce process versus doing it yourself? Well, you know, I'm sure in what you do, you've heard the expression, cheap is expensive. So, you know, one of the things about uh, going through divorce is it can be very expensive, And the more informed you are in advance, the more planful you are, and the less emotional you are, which are all very difficult things to be in that process, the better the process will be and hopefully the the less expensive. So you can reduce costs if you do it the right way. If you don't get any support, you do risk later on finding out things that you didn't know before that that may hurt you because you you know you signed you signed on the dotted line before you were fully informed. So you provide the perspective of hey I can see the big picture I take the emotion out of it this is what you really need to be focused on is that about right? Yeah and I, and I do you know I also provide the outlet for the emotion to help mitigate the cost of divorce so where where what often happens and where the costs there's several places where the costs tend to rise the first is that you use your lawyer as your therapist and every moment that you're that you're having some sort of crisis you call your lawyer and I'm based in New York City where the less expensive attorneys start at somewhere around $400 an hour. And every time you cry or they offer you a Kleenex, you're 
at least a hundred, two hundred, three hundred dollars out of pocket. Um, so yeah, I always say that email is going to cost you a hundred dollars. So send it to me, or or don't address it. But if you need to get it out of your out of your system, um, don't send it to your attorney unless it's a factual, important thing. So indeed, that it helps lower costs by being that emotional outlet that that tries to help change perspective a little bit. And then the you know the other thing is just being realistic and prepared and having all the information that your attorney needs to represent you. Again, you can do a lot of things outside of the, you know, the, the attorney's office that will get you ready so that you can spend less. But again, if you don't use any support, whether it's legal or coaching or financial support, you risk really exposing yourself to a longer term issue or problem with the divorce. That totally makes sense. I love your blog topics. You have really, really creative titles on your blogs. And one of them that caught my eye is the judge is not your friend. What was that mm. blog all about? You know, there's this sense, particularly in situations where there's been some sort of, whether it's financial infidelity or emotional infidelity, intimacy infidelity, where people feel that, you know, the judge is going to understand and going to give me everything I want, and they're going to provide justice for me. And judges are, number one, they're completely overwhelmed by, by the number of cases that come in front of them, and they've heard it all. And depending what state you live in, most states now are no fault. So even if there was some, other than a crime, if there was somebody that, that cheated on you and you want something for that, the judge is not going to give you that, that sense of satisfaction. It's really only your anger that's hurting you. The only time you, you might get justice from a judge in situations like that are when there's what they call um, wasteful disposition of marital assets. So if somebody stole money from you or they used money for an affair or things like that. So, th so they go by the law, not by the emotion, um, typically. That's at least they're supposed to. <laughs> so I, you know, the, the, the more you can take the emotion out, the more you can be realistic and present the facts as they make sense um, and represent yourself in a clear and articulate way, the more the judge will hear what you have to say. But your story is no, no worse than the last 10 that they've heard, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> and to us, it's the first time we're telling that story and to the judge, they're like, okay, yeah, I've heard this one before and I know how it ends. I could totally appreciate that. But speaking of emotion, there's still a lot of stigma behind getting a divorce, even though probably every, a lot of people have had at least one, right? Yes. How do people, do you have any tips on how people can deal with that with, while they're at work? Because I'm sure, or even business owners, it's probably very distracting when you're having a divorce and you can't really stay productive. Do you have some tips on that? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's really where the coaching component or the confidant, having the right person to, to share your, your thoughts with before you go into the office or, or having an understanding boss. And, and a lot of times, uh, certainly people in uh, more senior positions in management are very reticent to tell their managers for fear that they'll know what's going on and then you know, they'll get fired or, or and lose whatever, whatever income they have that they need for the divorce. But what unfortunately happens is particularly in a highly contested case where you're at court, in court a lot is you end up missing work, coming into work completely emotionally in a different place, and you're not productive and you're not going to be a contributor. And ultimately, it will cost the company 
money and that's, you know, hopefully they'll, they'll hear that one. So I encourage, you know, whether it's having some kind of conversation with, with, you know, your manager and your peers in a constructive way or, you know, and or that's one of the things I, I do with my clients often is like share your feelings before you go into the office. So if you know you really have to be on point today, but you're just feeling really overwhelmed and emotional and, and you just want to burst out into tears, I'll, you know, well, I'll have a call with my clients 15 minutes before they go in the office where they can vent a little bit and put their head on a little, little straighter and, and hopefully have some sort of outlet. Sometimes journaling helps. If you find yourself certainly like extremely depressed and emotional and you just can't focus under any circumstances, I strongly recommend you know, going to see some sort of mental health professional. A good one can really, really help you get through it. So having those outlets for the emotions so that you can try not to bring them to work and having a plan and having knowledge, the more you know, the more you understand, the more, the less fear and stress of what will be that will cause you to be unfocused at work. Those are really good tips. You've done a great job building a very successful business in a very short time. Can, can you tell us how you did that? Yeah, no, it's it's hard. It's really hard work. I think that the key is to have confidence in your ability and to not keep waiting for the right moment to start. I was explaining this to someone the other day that the first blog article I put out there, you know, we're all, especially as women, we want to perfect that that article, we want to perfect that business, we want to have all our ducks in a row, and then we're going to launch, and then we're going to go. And once I pressed the button on the first article and posted it and saw that, you know, the world didn't end, then the second one was easier and, and so on. And in terms of the business, it's really just getting out there and not being afraid to meet new people, regardless of whether you think they're related to, to what you do. I live in, like, as I live in New York City, so I try to, to, to go to several networking groups and just get the word out there, particularly with what I do. It touches, unfortunately, it touches every business, every socioeconomic level, and anybody I meet, I will tell them what I do. It helps that I have a kitschy name too, people remember it, but it's really about, you know, being authentic to, to what I do and really feeling and caring about the people that, that, I, that I work with. And I guess that starts to, eventually the reputation starts to, to speak to, to itself. That's awesome. That is really good advice that you just have to take action, even if you may not know all the answers, but just see where it goes. And, and then you're like, hey, that worked. And you take another step. I love this phrase I heard the other day. Competence equals confidence, meaning the more competent you feel at something, the more confidence you have to do it, which totally makes sense. Hey, I'd Absolutely. love to hear your advice on well, let me give you the signature question because I think that would fit really good right now because starting a business takes a lot of hours in the beginning. So Karen, if you had one more hour in your day, how would you spend it? 25 hours every day, what would you do with that extra hour? Wow. Uh, <laughs> I think I'd plan for the next day. <laughs> I think sometimes I have a tendency to just you know, hit the ground running and, and sometimes or I can be less productive without you know, being as thoughtful about what I need to get done. And, and I suppose that carries very much to teaching my clients that it's you know, practicing what I preach is the more you have, you're organized and have things in front of you, what you want to accomplish not just on, on a daily basis, but, but long-term. And just to go back for a minute to the, um, the moving the business along, one of the things that I was not in the beginning was strategic and planful about 
how the business was going to lay out. I just sort of hung a shingle and said, I, I love what I do. I really care about people. I'm trained and I'm ready. And I didn't really think I was in business. I thought, well, I'm a coach. And then I started spending a lot of money on things that didn't make any sense. And when I finally got to the end of the year and I did my income statement, it was more of a loss statement. <laughs> so <laughs> I realized that you can't just pick up every, you know, social media person that wants to hang, you know, hang, hang out on your website and, and put you on Instagram and Facebook and on and on. And the amount of money I spent on my website thinking that that was going to be the thing that would sell me. And so like learning those lessons, that's taken me probably till about this year to really realize that, you know, that, that may not have been money well spent. <laughs> I could totally relate because people come to me as a business coach and they say, well, I just need a really good website, social media, and I need to go out to network and the business is just going to come. Well, it, it just doesn't work like that. Yeah, those are important, but they're tactics and not a strategy. So I totally get that because I was there too. I'm like, I just need to be on social media and have a website and this will all work. So. <laughs> I mean, there are successful, successful coaches and therapists that don't, in this, to this day, have websites. It's like you need something to show you're credible and you're real, but it's almost like the website is not going to sell you. You are going to sell you. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you say that because when I first started out, I was probably doing maybe 80% online and 20% in person. And then as soon as I flipped that ratio and started doing 80% face-to-face, you know, events, networking, coffees, calls, and only 20% online, it was a huge game changer for my business. And my business just started exploding with clients. So you have to get to that right, right ratio for sure. And speaking of getting more clients from your website, would you like to share how people can connect with you if they'd like to work more closely with you or if you've got some sort of content they may find very helpful? Yeah, absolutely. So I have a few ways. I do have a mailing list. I put out a newsletter uh, every month. I also post a divorce tip every week on YouTube and I uh, occasionally do mailings on those as well. And then I offer a complimentary phone consultation. If you email me, Karen at thedivorcierge.com or you can go on my website and it, my email address is there. So many ways to reach me. Awesome. And is there anything else that you'd like to add that we didn't even cover today? Yeah, so, so one of the other things that I do besides the one-on-one -on -one support is I try to have different um, events to bring people together. I have some informational events that I schedule regularly in New York, in the New York area for now. Hopefully that will grow um, to other major cities over the next couple of years. And I am have started a, a group in New York City for single women post-divorce to socialize. That was one of the things I think, and, and many people face this, when your marriage breaks up, you, you, one person sort of gets the friends, if you will. And particularly um, for women, it can be really uh, scary and intimidating to go out and just to socialize, to go to a movie by yourself, whatever it will be. So I trying, I'm trying to get women together like mine did. It's not a support group, I say. It's, it's, it's a supportive group, just really with positive energy and speakers so that people can now build a new community in their post-divorce life. And it is focused on, uh, on women at this point. It's an all-women all group. That's awesome, because I know looking back, it was so easy to meet friends in college. One, because we all lived together. Nobody had to travel. And two, we're all kind of at the same phase in life. As we get to become adults, it's like, sure, a lot harder to meet people. 
Oh, yeah. And when, you know, when you're divorced, if you have children, you're a single parent, you've got all the constraints of that, that can be very difficult. But the good news is if you have kids and you have a, a spouse that is co-parenting, then you have some free time that you may not have had before. So to, you get to go out and have some fun with, with, with some friends. Yeah, that's great. I'm glad you've got that. So people, if you're in New York, go check it out. Sounds like it's, a, and it's called Super Girlfriends, right? Yep, the Super Girlfriends Club. Yeah, what a great name. Karen, thanks so much for taking time to be on the show today, helping people going through a divorce and giving them some tips on how to get some help. Lots of great information. Listeners, I just updated my free report, The Five Systems That Create Massive Productivity in Your Business. If you're feeling overwhelmed and overworked, this report is for you. Download it at nancygaines.com today. And if you loved the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. It helps other people find us. And until next time, go out and gain the advantage. You've been listening to The Nancy Gaines Show, where you can gain the advantage. To schedule a VIP strategy day or speed consulting session with Nancy, connect with her on her website, nancygaines.com. That's nancy, G-A-I-N-E-S, dot com. On Twitter, Nancy L. Gaines. And on LinkedIn, Nancy Gaines. Be sure to check back on Nancy's website for new episodes. Until next time, you've been listening to The Nancy Gaines Show. Go out and gain the advantage.